Brought to you by PrayLatin.com, makers of prayer cards featuring complete English phonetic renderings of Latin pronunciations. While the church in America and abroad are focused on issues like Lady Moloch being permitted to receive the Eucharist by Francis and Francis chastising her bishop for denying her Holy Communion, or with the activities of the various synods around the world and all the bizarre things coming out of them, or with everyday heretical statements being made by Francis, Benedict XVI is being hammered by the bishops of Germany and outside of Germany, hardly anyone is noticing. The church in Germany is in the process of putting all of the blame for what we have, for what we have to call around here the uh, Ted McCarrick type problem in the church, which is fueled and driven by the Pastor Jimmy Martin of the Jesuit church topic in the church. This despite the fact that many of the older bishops of Germany were responsible for sweeping those issues under the rug themselves when it was happening. They're placing all the blame for this on Benedict while they were the ones who were probably most responsible at their diocesan levels. And this despite the undeniable fact that the bishops of Germany are in the process of trying to make the sins that made the Ted McCarrick type problem even possible are now being accepted and honored in the church today by the German bishops themselves. The German synod is about remaking the church into the image and likeness of Satan, but it also has another purpose, one that is required to make that possible, to place the blame for the greatest modern evil that found its way into the church decades ago. At the feet of the one bishop and later pope of the church, who stood ideologically against this program of remaking the church and who actually did try to do something about all this. I've reported on this issue before, throughout the entire German synodal way, what passes for the Catholic Church in Germany, despite its obvious descent into doctrinal and moral error, has been engaged in the simultaneous smear job of Pope Benedict XVI, despite his reportedly withering health and limited time left on earth. If the reports from Archbishop George Gonsfein are to be believed, and he is Benedict's official handler, doing that work on behalf of Francis. The behavior of the bishops of Germany in this almost suggests that making sure all the woes caused by the bishops of Germany being lax for many decades in the realm of the sins of the flesh have to be laid at the feet of someone, and they're choosing someone who is by all reports basically incapable of coming to his own defense in any meaningful way for the project of the German virtual schism to actually work, because that is what they're doing, a virtual schism. Because despite there being very widespread support among the lady of Germany, and especially from the German government, for the project of secularizing the Catholic Church, there's enough resistance among German laity and among a very tiny handful of German bishops and priests, and we are getting wishy-washy responses from Rome on the German Synodal Way, there's a slight chance the German bishops won't pull off this program of secularizing the church, at least not to the full extent that they want. Without question, part of the reason the German bishops are going after Benedict with such ferocity is that they are attempting to distract the typical moderate Catholic in Germany from the heresies they are promoting. From Gloria TV, we get this headline, More Pressure, Marks in German Church for Quote-Unquote Ordination of Women. Cardinal Reinhard Marx has long been a proponent of ordaining whom the world wants the church to ordain, and he's not even hiding it anymore behind a veneer of orthodoxy. He's just out and out saying the church has been wrong about this and needs to fix it. From that article, quote, Cardinal Marx called again for, an in, for invalid ordinations of the ladies during a July 2nd sermon in Munich's Liebfraudem. I believe that the time is ripe for the ordination to the diaconate must and should be open to men and women. 
Marx calls such a fall into heresy a quote-unquote renewal and a quote-unquote great gift for the church, end quote. This article goes on and has some quotes from other prelates who are asking for the same thing. And frankly, there are far worse coming out of the German synodal process than just that. It all points to a reason that they are going after Benedict. And there's a rather galling level of hypocrisy in going after him, though. Was Pope Benedict XVI and before that Cardinal Joseph Ratzinger completely innocent in his handling of the Ted McCarrick problems in the church? No, certainly not. It's been well established that John Paul II's papacy didn't handle those problems even remotely well. That's not even a thing under dispute at this point. And there are a lot of reasons for that, including widespread reports that at least under Benedict XVI, his mail was getting opened and read and filtered by uh, St. Gallen-type priests working in the episcopate, or working in the hierarchy, rather, for bishops in the episcopate, that he, his mail was getting filtered and not allowed to get to him. And if that happened under Benedict, that almost certainly happened under John Paul II. But the modernists, despite that, are laying it all at Benedict's feet, partially because he's still alive and partially because he is a symbol of resistance to the errors of Francis. Though when Benedict does eventually pass, I think this is going to get a lot worse. Professor Harold Sauerbord, writing in Kath.net, a German outlet, describes this rather perfectly. Quote, However, the focus of the outrage, or on the part of the public and also on the part of Catholic lay associations and some moral theologians, is on one man, Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI, who will celebrate his 95th birthday in a few weeks. The indignation against this man is hypocritical, distorting. It is, as his private secretary, Archbishop George Gonsfein, recently commented, connected with, quote, a lot of dirt. A pope who has achieved great things and whose elevation in April 20, 2005 was perceived as a spiritual and intellectual sign of departure is being scandalized against a mainstream of secularism, the quote-unquote dictatorship of relativism, as Ratzinger called it. The headline of Build is memorable newspaper back then in 2005, We Are Pope. Ratzinger's pontificate was once again determined, and perhaps for the last time, for a long time, by deep concern for Europe and its great line of Christian tradition. Ratzinger's life theme was and is the connection between faith and reason. He wrote his most important encyclicals about the fourfold value of this, of the Platonic Stoic virtues, justice, bravery, prudence, and wisdom, and the Christian cardinal virtues of love, faith, and hope. Ratzinger, in particular, drew the best possible conclusions from the Second Vatican Council, which he knows better than almost anyone else. The spirit of the council, as understood by Ratzinger, focuses on a reform, reformation against the deformations of the church, which this pope called throughout his theological life and from which he suffered deeply. Back to the roots meant in the great consensus of the first to return to the Christian first Christian millennium. His concern was to trace back the power and legal forms of the Latin, Petrine Church the Greek Fathers. Ratzinger was never a rigid Thomist or traditionalist, but he was also fundamentally averse to an ideology of modernism that led to self-secularization and the loss of sacredness and depth. The path of neo-Protestantism stood vividly before his eyes. End lengthy quote. Neo-Protestantism is a very interesting word here. Yes, there is a neo-Protestant streak in the church and has been one since the council, probably since before it. That's how we got the council, remember. We can term this as a hyper-secularization of the faith and of the church with a turn towards the secular and the progressive. Hence why there's a greater emphasis among the modernists of secular values and on opening the church to the so-called values of the world. 
Hence why the synods I reported on this past week spoke about the church falling behind the world and needing to get with the times. We hear this refrain all the time, that the church must get with the times, that we have fallen behind the values of the world, as if the values of the world are anything the church wants to have. The modernists aren't really hiding what they're doing. It is neo-Protestantism because these figures are often protesting against the Catholic Church itself, against the 2,000-year deposit of the faith itself. It's neo-Protestant because the underlying spirit of all of this is the same spirit of Vatican II that was at least in part fueled by the overt desire to remove any so-called stumbling blocks for our so-called separated brethren from rejoining the church. Those separated brethren being, of course, Protestants. That has never worked in any meaningful way since the council, but that hasn't stopped the bishops of the world from pursuing such a foolish program. Many bishops from the council were on the record during the Second Vatican Council saying that Luther's mistake was in leaving the church, that this time they'll stay inside and finish the job of reforming the church. That by itself is a schismatic statement, almost, almost without question. Thus, we see the program of the German bishops and of Francis more broadly for what it is. It is neo-Protestantism, and it is a new version of Protestantism, hence the prefix neo, because it is a new form. One that traditional Protestants probably would blanch at, given that we are talking about regularizing sins that the Bible says very clearly cry out to heaven for justice. And to do that, you have to say that there is or there are errors contained in sacred scripture. And no Protestant, no traditional Protestant would ever admit that. In the interview, the professor continues and describes a campaign being waged against Ratzinger. To put it mildly, the Germans have never loved him. Quote, Apparently a campaign is underway against Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI, Joseph Ratzinger, which is taking up earlier threads. The German mainstream public never loved him, not even the Catholic one. Being a collaborator in a truth that is greater than human reason, Ratzinger's life motto was rather suspect. People preferred to listen to the church critics with the same positions from Dorothy Sola to Eugene Durman to the Dalai Lama. Once again, in all clarity, Ted McCarrick type problems were committed by people to whom they were ordered to protect and was abominable. Damage to their souls and bodies weighed so heavily, the institution to have something to do with it. The great life's work of the now almost 95-year-old is intended to be pretty permanently damaged. A damnatio mamare is underway which, depending on how public opinion organizes itself, could even succeed. Conversely, an unbiased view would show that probably no bishop or archbishop took action against the scandal with the same force and effectiveness as the emeritus pope. The Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith was only concerned with questions of this kind of mess from 2001 onwards. Since then, Ratzinger has taken on the clarification of those cases. At the Stations of the Cross retreat on March 25, 2005, Ratzinger spoke of the church as a sinking boat. He had raised the question of how much Christ must endure in and from his own church. At that time, Ratzinger also spoke of the dirt in the church, of arrogance and self-importance, which can also be found among priests who are supposed to be belong entirely to him, to Jesus Christ. The Kyrie eleison, the plea for mercy, let Ratzinger, who was elevated to the papacy not a month later, lead to the certainty of the resurrection. End quote. What the German bishops are doing is an inversion of reality. While Benedict should certainly not be completely absolved for his handling of these problems, because it wasn't handled as well as it should have been, given, for example, the most glaring one, that Ted McCarrick wasn't stripped of his offices and titles until Francis was forced to do so a couple of years ago. Remember, Francis is the one who lifted the sanctions placed by Benedict on Ted McCarrick, 
never forget that. Benedict did try to do something about these issues, including taking on the James Martin topic within the priesthood, which is probably why the bishops of Germany are going after him, since many of them probably are of the, uh, shall we say, the types of folks that James Martin is most concerned with. And also since they've all made clear that that is the one sin above all others that they think the Bible got wrong. Many have said as much, rather explicitly, repeating Pastor Jimmy Martin of the Jesuit Church's line that St. Paul got that topic wrong. By the way, denying the inerrancy of sacred scripture is a heresy. Let's be clear about that. If you as a lay person or as an ordained minister of some kind in the church think the Bible got anything wrong, that's a heresy. If you know it's a heresy and you persist in the error, then you are a formal heretic and outside of the church. If you think the bishops and priests who admit that they believe the Bible got this wrong on this issue, do you think they know that? I think they know it and they just don't care. But I'm curious if you think they know that what they do is considered a heresy. That Because again, denying the inerrancy of sacred scripture is a defined heresy. And if you know, if you hold to any heresy knowingly, and you don't care, that is a that makes the person holding to such a heresy a formal heretic. These things matter, because formal heretics cannot hold office in the church. Food for thought. I'll give you this from Archbishop Aquila, the ordinary of the Archdiocese of Denver, who has written two open letters to the German bishops in an attempt to intervene and prevent a schism from occurring. He was asked in an interview with the Catholic World Report over the weekend about the Synod of Germany and his attempted intervention. He called what they're doing Protestant because, well, because it is Protestant. He's asked by his interviewer if any of the German bishops responded to his letter. Here's what he has to say that is relevant to all of this. Quote, there have been a few German bishops who have responded, some agreeing with me, others disagreeing. But I believe what they are doing is based on human decisions, not the gospel. In reading this document, you hear a lot about the world, but very little about the gospel and the Holy Spirit. They take the solutions of the world and apply them, rather than those of the gospel and the Holy Spirit. One bishop, in fact, shared that he did not believe that tradition is binding. If that is the case, it would make us very Protestant. End quote. He believes what they, the German bishops, are doing is based on human decisions and not on the gospel. That is an apt description for much of what has gone on in the church more broadly for the past several decades, but especially apt for the program of the German bishops who have to turn Benedict into a fall guy for the evils that came to light in the church in a real way in 2003, before Benedict was even Pope. They have to do this so they can say what they want to ignore sacred scripture in the name of reform. And they are doing it as a sort of distraction. German news outlets frequently feature statements by these bishops slamming Benedict a decade after he ceased public ministry as Pope. It's all rather remarkable, but it's not all that surprising. What do you think about all of this? Are the German bishops slamming Benedict for the reasons I outlined, or for some other more nefarious reason, or for a legitimate reason? Let me know in the comments what you think about all this. Like and subscribe if you haven't. It really does help. And share this on social media if you think this was important, this smear job being done by Benedict that almost no one outside of Germany is really paying attention to. And as always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.